when we say you are whatever we need you to be, we don't say this because we want to manipulate you into something that we want, but it's because we acknowledge that for every place in our life where there is a need, you are. You have it. You provide. You uphold. You sustain. God, this morning we reach out for you. We reach out because you are our shepherd. You are our helper. And you delight in the praises, in the song, in the voices of your children. God, as we enter and begin this Lenten journey, as we are in this Lenten wilderness, would you continue to remind us who we are and who you are? We ask this in the name of the one who created us out of dust. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Um, friends, as we continue in worship this morning, I would love to invite up our dear friends, um, Leslie and Layla, to read um, our scripture for this morning. reading from Psalm 25, um, verses 1 through 10. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, God instructs sinners in the way. God leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble God's way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep God's covenant and God's decrees. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. The second scripture is from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. 
Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He'll command his angels concerning you and they will lift up their hands so that you will not strike your foot against stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and his splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will blow down, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels come, came to attend him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. And thank you for your offering your voices this morning. Shame is not a tactic that we use. I will say that again. Shame is not a tactic that we use. I remember the first time I heard Pastor Lisa say this to me. I can't remember exactly what we were talking about, but I do remember it was in the context of how our community is continually growing and healing in our racialized identities. In conversations about race and history, there are a lot of opportunities, especially in multiracial settings like this, there are a lot of opportunities for guilt and shame to come in. But shame is not a tool that we use for healing. I was surprised by how much this phrase stuck with me. Maybe it's because um, in the academic setting that I was coming from, shame was a tactic that was used. Oh, you didn't realize this detail? Embarrassing. Coming from religious spaces, shame is a tactic that can be used. Did you see what she was wearing? Did you hear what they did? And not just in these spaces, but even spaces online. A comment section of a viral post on Instagram or Facebook. Shame is a tactic that is used. Any presidential debate, shame is a tactic that will probably be used. And for some of us, even in our own homes, growing up, maybe we saw shame as a tactic that was used by our parents or caregivers as a means to manipulate or harm. But before we go any further, I want to um, have us all be on the same page about some um, similar terms. So shame versus guilt might be one that helps us. So guilt is something, um, it's a feeling related to a responsibility we might feel about an action. It's action-centric. And sometimes, um, even though guilt might make us feel bad, the voice of guilt is not inherently a lie because it might be pointing out something um, or some place where we do want to turn a different direction. Sometimes guilt can lead us into better action. 
And in some, and in those ways, guilt can be productive. But shame is so powerful because it's not about the thing or the action. Shame says something about who you are. It's not about the thing. It's not about the mistake. It's about you being a mistake because of X, Y, or Z. With shame, our personhood is at stake. Our dignity is at stake. And this is a voice that does not propel us forward. It's not a voice that calls us in, but a voice that crushes us down. I bet there are many stories in this room of times that we have maybe felt that weight. The psalmist knows it too, which is why they're so adamant in Psalm 25, you might have heard it, um, that they say, God, spare them the experience of shame. Verse 2, let me not be put to shame. Verse 3, do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Instead, the psalm says, the treacherous, though, they can be put to shame. And even in that, I want us to hear how even that is an accusation. The voice of shame is often accusatory. And the interesting thing is, um, as you might know from your own experience as well, that these voices of accusation, these attacks on who we are, the presence of shame, are oftentimes loudest in seasons of wilderness. In the Matthew passage today, we see that Jesus knows what this is like. Right after hearing the voice of God that calls Jesus the beloved, you might remember the story that um, Pastor Lisa had been preaching on last month. So after the voice says, Jesus is the beloved, Jesus enters the wilderness in this chapter and encounters another voice. But this voice is not the voice of God. This is a voice that calls into question who Jesus is. The voice calls into question the very thing that the voice of God had just affirmed over Jesus' life. And the word used here, Satan, um, is related to the Hebrew word Satan, which is a noun. It just means an accuser, an adversary. An adversarial presence, a presence that is not working for Jesus' good, but a presence that is trying to steal, kill, and destroy Jesus. And oh, does this voice try. Yep. Verse 3, it says, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Verse 4, If you are the Son of God, God's beloved, throw yourself down and see if God catches you. 
Basically, if you are the son of God, if you are God's beloved, prove it. Do something. This voice presents task after task to challenge Jesus' identity. Prove who you are. And this is not an innocent request, as if the voice is genuinely interested in knowing who Jesus is. But because the accuser is trying to see if he can manipulate Jesus. Have you heard of voices like that in your life? Voices that make you question who you are? Are you really? A child of God? Are you really God's beloved? Does God really care about you because of this thing in your past? Does God really care because it seems like there's a lot of struggle happening around you? Does God really care because it seems like you're in the wilderness alone? These voices voices that attack and shame us are destructive. And if they get too loud, they can not only start to control how we feel, but how we move in the world. Let's pause in this story, in this story to see that the accusing voice knows scripture. The voice of destruction is quoting the Bible. Some might say the tempter is being biblical. And it was pivotal for me in my spiritual journey to realize that just because someone or something is using the word of God doesn't mean that that thing or person is aligned with the spirit of God. Yeah. And I don't mean to say that as if, you know, everyone else is wrong and we are the right ones here. Because I'm aware that even I, all of us, we have the ability to use scripture for our own means. So I will, I'm not saying that that is beyond me even. But what I want us to notice is that the voice is using scripture for harm, not for life. And that is the litmus test. That is the indicator for us that something is wrong. Specifically, verse 6. If you are the Son of God, the Beloved, throw yourself down. For it is written, God will command God's angels concerning you. Okay, so the second half is true. But this is a half truth. Because at the end of the passage, we'll see, God does send God's angels. But this voice is twisting it. The voice is saying, it will please God if Jesus throws himself down. Friends, I'm speaking from personal experience of this. If there is a voice in you or around you that is saying God wants you, and it's good and holy for you to throw yourself down, that might not be the voice of God. 
Restrict more, do more, be better, move faster, fast more. Bow your head lower. Sometimes even Lent can feel like a spiritual accusation. You are only dust. But this is not the full truth. We may be dust, but we are God's beloved dust. So that first invitation, the first invitation that I see in this passage is to resist. Resist the voices of shame as they arise in you. Resist it in you so that you might be able to resist it when you see it practiced outside of you. When you hear or sense a voice that is calling into question your dignity, somebody else's dignity, calling human beings animals, for example, resist. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is to remember. Resist the voice of shame and remember the voice of God. We can see Jesus do this, so this is biblical, okay? (laughs) Jesus does not try to prove to the voice that he is indeed the Son of God. He doesn't even address that part of the accusation. Instead, he just quotes scripture right back. Jesus says, I don't need to perform. I am sustained by the manna of God. I don't need to throw myself down, even though I believe that God would catch me. I don't need to bow down to this voice of accusation or shame. The only voice I bow to is the voice of God. Jesus remembers the voice of God, which speaks the truth about who he is and who God is. The beloved. So that is the second invitation for us too, that we might remember. We are the beloved, sustained by the manna of God. The great I am, we were just singing this, the great I am provides for us. We don't need to test God in the wilderness. God's angels are already here, waiting on us, attending to us while we're in the desert. And we don't need to give energy to the voice of shame or accusation. The voice of God says, you are the beloved. You are God's own. You do belong. God's voice calls you in, not out. Shame crushes us down, but the spirit of the Lord is freedom. In the Lenten wilderness, there will be many voices. So let's discern carefully. Discern carefully because the voices we let speak in our lives 
they not only impact us internally, all the things that are happening here will spill out. As Pastor Lisa reminded us this past Ash Wednesday, as we become more just in ourselves, we become more just in the world. As we become more forgiving of ourselves, we naturally become more forgiving in the world. As we become more grace-filled internally, it makes its way out externally. If we remember who we are and who God is, if we trust and lean into the voice of God, that rootedness will speak for itself. Shame is not a tactic we use. So for this Lent, whatever practice we might take up or lay down, may we do it guided by the voice of the one who sends angels to attend to us. And might every step, every movement, every direction we take, might it be led by the voice of the one who calls us loved. May it be so for your Lent. Amen.